Welcome to the Course Creator Community Podcast. Your host, Mr. Jono Petrahilos, currently generates over a million dollars a year selling his online courses. And now he teaches you how to do the same. Along with listening to our podcast, make sure to join the Course Creator Community Facebook group. It's one of the largest and most engaged Facebook groups in the space. You'll find the link in the show notes. Anyway, let's get to today's show. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Course Creator Community Podcast. I am super excited because we've got an awesome guest on the line this week, a fellow Australian like me. Um, she's from Queensland, so m- my apologies for kicking your ass in sport all the time. But um, <laughs> not, not yet. We're, we're a bigger, bigger state, you know, so it's easier. But a little bit about this person. She's a speaker. She's an educator. She's a brand strategist. She's a copy strategist. She's the CEO of Word Fetty, and she's the host of the popular podcast, The Brand Fetty Podcast, which I recommend everyone subscribe to. So without further ado, let me introduce the one and only Ms. Anita Siak. Anita, Yay! how are you? I am good. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Jono. No, I'm a huge fan of yours. You must, I don't know if you know the stats. Have you got one of the more popular marketing podcasts in Australia? Yeah. Um, I think we're at the moment, I think it's top, top 10, some, somewhere, somewhere around there. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So out of all the marketing podcasts in Australia, you're in the top 10. I feel, I feel humbled and (laughs) I don't know what to say. Yeah. It's it's incredible. Like it's It's when I think about it that way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. So everyone listening, make sure to, to check it out and get the best. Even if you're not from Australia, it's not just Australian <laughs> marketing. It's marketing in general. It just happens that Anita's from Australia. Uh, Anita, I like to start all my podcasts off with a quote or mantra that inspires you or fires you up. Have mm, you got one for us? I do. The first one that popped into my mind is if you're wanting something that you've never had, you've got to be willing to do something that you've never done because mm. what got you here is not going to get you there. Yes. Love that. And we're going to hear your story. So I'm sure you'll probably expand on, on some of that stuff. Yeah. There, but hundred yeah, percent. I love that myself. Um, yeah. My goal for this podcast, Anita, is more just for you to share your story. You're obviously very successful at, at what you do. And there's going to be a lot of listeners that are like, wow, you know, she got to that level there. You know, I'd love to get to that level myself. How did she do us? Tell us the, the secrets. And there's probably no secrets, but I'd love just to hear your story, Anita. I'd, I'd love for you just to start wherever you want to start in the next kind of 15, 20 minutes, just how did you get from wherever you're telling the start point to, to now being Anita Siek, running one of the most popular pod marketing podcasts in Australia and running a very successful business at, at WordFetty. I'm going to hand it over to you. Start where you want to start. Well, let's take the listeners down memory lane. (laughs) Um, So hello everyone. Um, Wonderful being in your ears. Um, So I guess I'll start off the journey with, I guess, a little bit of background as to, because it's a very non-linear journey to where I am today. Um, I, when I grew up, like I I was brought up in a household, right, where one, I was an only child, but um, both my parents, ironically, are also business owners and, um, you know, they they worked really hard to put me in the best education, best school, invest in all the extracurricular activities. I was like there trophy child and there was um also the expectation for me so i come from an asian background as well and the expectation was anita was either going to be a doctor or a lawyer and i kid you not this is actually the expectation it was either going to be one or the other 
Uh, <laughs> and uh, can, I, can I jump there for a sec? I'm not sure course. if Asian is similar to Greek, you know, because that's the same with Greek. My background's Greek. Yeah, as you can probably tell get by my note. Well, but the funny thing is, the reason they want you to be like a doctor, um, it's not because they want you to help people. It's like because it's good money, you know. It's like yeah. helping money is like the, the side effect, you know. So a hundred percent, a hundred percent. It was like the most stable thing. It's hardest yeah. to get into, and it's just the feeling of you know, wow, like authority. So, um, so I guess that was the expectation from me, and I, you know, you, you don't know much when you're just growing up. You don't know what subjects to choose in school, right? I was like, oh, I don't know. Uh, so I, well, first of all, I figured out that I don't like blood. Mm. <laughs> Biology was interesting. That was very fun. Mm. Um, and I just cannot imagine putting animals down because I wanted to be a vet as well at mm. one stage. And I was like, uh, uh, no, no. <laughs> uh, so lawyer it was. Um, I studied six and a half years because I did a dual degree. I did a law degree and also a psychology degree because I was fascinated mm. by, and that was the only way I could do it if I could tack it on with law. So I mm. did both, um, law and psychology, absolutely love psychology, very different vibe when I'm in uh, lectures, definitely. Um, but yeah, did that, um, actually lived in America as well, um, and did uh, a whole year there. That was so fun um and then came back were you studying over in america yeah yeah so i was studying washington university um and that was that was fun exchange student yeah 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 yeah. join a sorority no it was (laughs) post-grad it's much fun yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) but um it was it it was an incredible experience um very lonely at the beginning won't lie but um gosh that the the when you go into a new city, new country where you don't know anyone, that feeling, I just cannot explain. Like it's such a rejuvenating, refreshing type of feeling where you just don't know anyone. You just spike up conversations. There's um, less to kind of um, worry about, you know, like here in Sydney, yeah. like, oh, I've got to be careful what I wear right. and say and whatever, you know, but That's in a new it. city, it's kind of like, eh, no one knows me here. No, no one knows me. <laughs> I could do whatever I want. I could say whatever I want and I'd just be me sometimes in a way. So, um, yeah, so I did that. So got admitted as a lawyer. I uh, worked in corporate. So I went straight into um, – I was working government. Um, I did work in family, criminal, um, but then kind of realized I didn't want to practice. In, to be honest, I knew I didn't want to be a lawyer uh, probably two years before I graduated, but I um, had to give it a go. <laughs> um, I then moved into a policy role, writing things people don't read until something happens, uh, touch wood. So then WordFetty, um, which is actually my third side hustle, funnily oh. enough, I started a few on the side because I think I was always trying to find something else that really made me feel that zing factor so i think i um i used to uh, take photos i love taking photos so i was a photographer at one stage i also started a business with mum uh where we were selling little succulent plants and in-home house plants and that didn't work well because i have a brown thumb uh and would kill terrariums like how do you kill a terrarium i can um give it to me um <laughs> and then WordFetty was my third so WordFetty um was meant to just be my creative outlet when i started i love writing like i love writing um i love i, I think it's just a medium and an avenue for me to really digest my thoughts and share a message 
out there. And I think words um, are such a powerful tool we all have that is free to be able to connect to humans, to be able to spark ideas, to storytell and carry on legacy and generations and also create powerful change. Um, so I really love words and just you, never thought always, any. You always like writing, Anita? Yeah, yeah, always loved writing. Um, in school, I was in poetry, I did spelling bees, I just love language. Um, I think too, because I, I actually grew up learning both English, Chinese, Indonesian, all at the same time. So sometimes I will think in a like a supermarket, I will think like when I'm counting, I will think in English, but then I will th- you know, kind of calculate in Chinese. I don't know. It's very hard to explain, yeah. but it's, I'll think in completely different dialects. So language is fun. <laughs> can, you wait, can, can you think in all those languages? I can more so in Chinese and English. What, if you're in China, do you think in Chinese? Let's take a quick break. If you want tips and strategies on how to start, grow, and monetize your business online, check out the Digital Revolution podcast with Eli Adams. We interview digital experts from around the world that share their personal stories. They talk about what they're currently working on and where they see the future going. But most importantly, they share tactics in their specific area of expertise with the hope of helping you improve your digital presence online. You can listen to the Digital Revolution podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, or simply click on the link in the show notes below. Uh, so I was actually born in Hong Kong. Um, so it's more, more so Cantonese. Um, I definitely, I can speak Cantonese. I can speak Mandarin, but with a very apparent accent. Apparently, It's not as good, um, but I try, I I give it a go. Um, and yeah, so I, that's kind of how I guess my love for language was born, um, being able to think in completely different languages, using that as a way to, for us to all to connect. Um, so yeah, start with Fetty. Couple questions here, Anita. Yeah. So that's um, I get the school side of things, and just so we can put it in perspective, what kind of year was this? As in, when did I start Word Fetty? Yeah, yeah. Two thousand and eighteen. I registered it in two thousand seventeen, and then it was more so two thousand eighteen. Yeah. Gotcha. And you finished. You don't have to answer this if you don't want to show your age. But what kind of year did you graduate your university degree? Um, that was probably 2000 and when did I graduate? 2009? Oh no, hang on. Gosh, I don't, I don't actually know, <laughs> but I mean, I'm happy to tell you guys my age. I'm 31. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I actually don't know when I graduated. It's that bad. Wow. <laughs> probably like, probably like 10 years ago, right? Give or take. Hang on. So I graduated high school in 2007. Uni was a good six and a half years, so. 2013. Yeah, yeah, 2013. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, so you're kind of working for four years. Yeah. <laughs> and just yeah. a question there, when you started Word Fetty, were you active in like the social media space, in the blogging space, SEO space, or was it just none of that? It was just you liked writing? Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So I knew no one. I honestly had no idea what the heck I was doing to begin with. I was just purely using WordFetty as an avenue for me to share ideas, exactly what I've just shared with you, my love and language, the power of words. Um, it was through Instagram that I was consistently sharing. I was writing blogs as well, but that was it. I didn't really do it for 
any particular purpose to begin with. Um, and it was probably like, you know, crickets for a good six, seven months until mm-hmm. someone DM'd me on Instagram through Word Fetty and was like, hey, I've been following you for the last six months, loving your stuff. And I was wondering whether or not I could hire you to help me write my website. And I was like, oh my God, what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So, and, and I guess to that point, I just, for anyone listening, one of the things I always see business owners um, and course creators really feel pain pointed by is they put something out there and it doesn't yield results and they're just like, Ugh, it didn't work. I'm going to just leave it now. Podcast didn't work. Social media didn't work. And then they're going to leave it. And I guess I just want to say, like, it takes time for your audience to build that connection and trust. For my audience, for that client, um, took six, seven months for her to see what I do, for her to see a peak inside my brain, for her to be like, you know what, now I'm ready and I want to get in touch with her. So that was that. Like, so I started taking on clients and um, it was on and off. And then it kind of within two, three months after that first client, it just completely snowballed. I have no Mm. idea. I didn't do anything. I didn't do ads. I didn't do anything different, but they just started to tell people, friends, it was purely through referrals. Mm. And then within around nine, 10 months, I was making pretty much almost the same as what I was making in my corporate salary. Um, in that side gig business, I was also not sleeping <laughs> because yeah, I was literally- so You are doing, doing both? I was doing both yeah, at the same wow. time. Um, and something had to give. So I had yeah. to, I was really met at the crossroads. And it was funny because at that stage, I was given an opportunity in my corporate job. So they moved me up already, which I was really you know, humbled about. But then just as I was about to make the decision, they were just like, are you gonna apply for this position? Because you know, we think you'd be a really good fit. And three, four, five years ago, Anita before WordFetty would have been like, oh my gosh, that would be a dream gig like mm. for me to do. But then I legit just left it. I didn't even apply for it because I knew, um, I wanted to give it a go. I knew I was going to regret it if I was freaking 70, 80. And I'm like, oh, I wish I just gave that business a go. Um, so I did that. I it was, it was very unexpected, I think, for my team. And I was just like, I think I'm going to go. <laughs> and they were like, what? I think I'm going to go wow. <laughs> and give this a hot crack. Um, and yeah, that was 2019, I think. Yep. And this this was mainly writing websites at this stage? Yeah. So back then I was, we were predominantly agency, more so agency based, and we still do a bit of that, but definitely not as much. So for the first two years, I would say WordFetty really grew as an agency, as a team of just simply writing epic brand strategies, helping you stand the heck out through psychology and words and websites uh, for conversions and optimization. And we had incredible results for our clients, but it was also, I think in my heart, I knew I didn't want to be like this big scale copywriting agency, which was simply all about in and out in and out projects. Mm. Um, I love to go deep with my clients. And um, when you scale as an agency, you have to let a big part of that go. And I think for me, when I really got down to what success meant for me, this is a big mistake I made. So, you know, we grow, grow businesses thinking this is what you're supposed to do. You hire people, you scale based on that, because that's what you see someone else do. But I don't think I for one moment until 
like 2020, <clears throat> sat down and paused to consider what does success actually mean for Anita? Mm. Not, you know, maybe my mom, not maybe that mentor, not maybe that mentor. And I had incredible mentors, but what did it mean for me? And until I got really clear on what that actually is and what that actually meant for me, and not just tangible stuff, not just revenue stuff, because you'll hit a point where you meet that revenue and you're like, eh, meh, like it's not about the money. It's about how you actually feel. For me, I was like, no, like the greatest moments are when I get DMs to emails, even with the podcast, it's free content. Mm-hmm. When I get DMs from people being like, oh my gosh, I listened to that episode or that podcast and I it completely changed my way of thinking or it helped me get this. That is my biggest zing factor. Now, I just want to take a minute and let everyone know if you're a course creator, you've already got a course and it's not quite selling, uh, or if you're still in the process of putting your course together at the course creator community, we actually have a VIP group coaching program. It's the best program of its kind and the most affordable as well. So if you'd like some extra help and guidance in either putting your course together or selling your online course, I recommend joining the course creator community VIP program. I'll put the links down in the show notes. So I leaned in on that. And for me to deliver that type of impact, I had to restructure my business model. And that I did in 2020, uh, just before COVID. Didn't know COVID was going to happen. So (laughs) I was, I literally booked, I was, first of all, full transparency. I was burnt out. It was not pretty. 2019, 2000, and at the end of 2019 and 2020, that overlap, I was burnt out. I was questioning what the heck I have built. It was so six. It was successful, but I, for some reason, felt weird and empty. Um, and that was when I was like, "No, nah, you know what? I want to lean more, double down on what feels really good. I'd rather make A's and three things as opposed to." and five things. Uh, So I decided to go in 80% digital courses and programs and 20% in service. Did that happen overnight? No. (laughs) Took a bit of time for us to transition uh, in that. But um, I kid you not, like it was the most incredible experience to really go through that. And I feel so fulfilled and just excited about the impact we now get to create by literally equipping even agencies, copywriting agencies, brand agencies to, you know, copywriters to business owners, course creators with the exact methodology that we go through um, to help our clients achieve epic as heck results. So some people are like, why would you literally hand over like your info, like your IP and what you did? And I'm like, why the heck not? Like the more we can, the more impact that we can create. So that was 2020 and here we are today. Like I'm two years into the course creation world and I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Agree. <laughs> I mean, this is the course creator podcast, right? So it's like we're, we're sold on this thing here. I think there's a few really key points you, you mentioned there that I want to address on. The first one was like when you're talking about when you were burnt out. So I think, and there's, there's even, even the success side of things, right? Um, I think if someone's starting off, money is usually the biggest focus, mm. which I think is fine when starting off. I think if you don't have a lot of money, you know, it's okay to work hard and, and build that up. But as Anita mentioned, you get to the stage where you're like, man, you know, I've got this, uh, I've got this money. That's great. And it can get quite depressing, you know, if, mm. if you're not fulfilled. 
So I think mm-hmm. that's important to know. I think it's okay if you're starting off, okay, you know, grind, hustle, do what you got to do, you know, um, you know, make the money, but that'll only get you happy to a certain point there. And yeah, I like to switch from the service to the courses. I think that's the best way to do it and not to um, discourage anyone here that's going straight into the courses. That's what I did. I started straight into courses and that was fine, no dramas. Um, but it is easier, in my opinion, if you go from service to if you go from mm, service first, mm-hmm, because mm. you already have the perfect system there. It's like you've been mm. saying Anita's case, she's been doing this for years. She's got the perfect system. She knows exactly what people want, what they need, the marketing, all of that. It's very easy to put it into a course there. So for people listening, that can also be a good progression as well, where it's like, oh, I know I want online courses. on Because here's the other thing. I heard, and I'd love to get your opinion on this, Anita. I heard a good quote the other day. Everybody wants to make money while they sleep, but before they do that, they need to learn how to make money while they're awake. Mm, All right. Yeah, so true. That's what I think. That's what I see your system, right? It's like you got really good at this thing. You worked your ass off. You got good at it. But now great because you worked your ass off and got good at it. Now you can go more digital. I'm guessing you make a lot more money while you sleep now, right? Yeah, it's um, I love that, love that uh, insight because I think sometimes uh, going straight into courses without first validating and understanding Mm. um, what your audience actually want, um, and and it's a completely different perspective, right? Where you're like, oh my gosh, like I've I've got X amount of years of experience in this, and this is what I believe my clients want, but. Like, yes, it could be, but it could be the slightest of messaging that would have your audience be like, no, I don't need that versus, oh my gosh, I need this right now. And you can't arrive at that until sometimes, like, of course you can do, yes, definitely do research. Mm -hmm. But I think, like you said, Jono, like going through service first, you're able to hear, see, feel firsthand what that is and what they want. And even from the sales process, right? And from the copywriting process, I'm guessing one of your, when you're writing copy for people, you've got to kind of ask them, hey, who's your ideal client? You know, what are their struggles? What do they want? Mm. If you haven't done that service work, it's kind of hard to write good copy, right? Like say, yeah. say if someone came to you and they don't like, you're obviously an amazing copywriter. I'm sure your copy is limited by the info your clients give you if you're doing it for them, right? It's yeah, like- it's it's interesting, you see, like, and I still work with a very small selective clients. And I always say to them, um, I do more so consulting now, but I always still say the same thing. I'm just like, when we're writing copy, and we're trying to drive that conversion, it's not about with all due respect, Jess or Bob, it's not about what you're saying or what you think is going to work. Mm. At the end of the day, I'm actually writing for your clients mm. and your customers. We need to write for them, not you, with yeah. all due respect. So great idea. However, is that going to stick with your audience or are they going to be confused AF? Uh, and when you confuse, you lose. So when you look at it from that perspective, <clears throat> Funnily enough, a lot of people actually don't really know who their audience yeah. is because there is a lot of fears around, oh, if I niche or niche, I'm going to miss out on that audience or I want to serve any or everyone. And the thing I always hear is like, oh, you know, I don't, we, we, we don't want to like segment our audience too much because, you know, like our offer is like really valuable and can really help everyone. And I'm like, you guys have got the whole idea of audience wrong. Like that is not how an audience is. When when you hear marketers, bloggers, gurus, whatever, podcasters talk about, you've got to know your audience is not about um, 
Jane who likes my stuff and she's experiencing blah. You need to go deep mm -hmm. into why do they need to care about it right now? Like what is going to be the cost of inaction? What, what words are going to get them so excited? Is it like if I'm a copywriter and I'm selling copywriting, I'm not selling, hey, do you want me to help you write words on a website and get some attention? Cool, that sounds all right. But what people really care about is the ability to actually drive conversion. So the word conversion is going to make them zing. The word standing out and be front of mind in front of your audience is going to make them zing. So until you can actually uncover what the psychology behind a decision-making process for your audience is, it's so hard to actually, you can have the best course, best product, mm -hmm. best service in the world, but if that messaging doesn't stick, they're going to be like, oh, I don't need that. Maybe next time, maybe next year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that one before. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'll, I'll share kind of my experience there. The way that I was able to, to get good at that side of things, because I went to the course first without the service, was essentially just a million sales calls. It mm. was just calling someone up. Hey, like they'd obviously inquire, but you know, hey, mm. here's the course, you know, you're interested. Yeah. And I would just hear why they said no. Okay, cool. Now I better add that to the course. So add that to the sales page. Mm. Call up the next person, hear why they said no. Okay, better add that. Call the next mm. person. They say yes. Why did they say yes? Okay, great. And just from doing thousands of sales wow. calls, that's that was essentially my service kind of thing, you know? Mm. And the, the reason I share that is I think also what a lot of um, people in the online course space do is try and automate everything too soon at the start, where it's like, mm. right, I've got this course that I've never sold before and I've never validated it. So let me put together a Facebook ad with an automated mm. webinar mm. and then an automated email follow-up and then a sales page. And oh you know, again, like, yeah. maybe it's going to work, you know, but it's just... So many ifs going there. I think it's easier. Say that the route I went with, okay, great. Let me put out a Facebook ad. Let me call the person, see what it is, and then learn from there. Okay. Mm -hmm. Once I know this person better, okay, great. I can make the emails better. I can make the website better and, and improve that way there. That's that's my take. And any insights on that, Anita? I love that. I think, um, you know, it's, um, I always believe that the words that we really want to use to connect to our audience, it, it comes from our audience's mouth. And I think so often we're going out there to look for what it is and like, what's the buzzword we should use? What's the thing we should, and, and when people struggle with finding the words for their business, they're always trying to think that it is like, like, like a copywriter just strings up this magical mm -hmm. sentence. But to be honest, like what we do, the bulk of what we do is 80% is in observing, listening, and feeling into their audience. We need to literally chameleon into the life of that audience that you're selling your course to, to understand like what the language, like listening to the language that they use, like letting them just a free flow talk and you see what they actually, uh, what words they use to explain what they're going through. Ask them very strategic questions to get them to just talk because when you can observe what your audiences are saying what they're thinking their facial expressions all of that you can use all of that literally for a sales page <laughs> that that will write your sales page <laughs> yes um now you're obviously amazing at this anita we could speak about this this all day i do want to be sensitive of your time and there's a few kind of closing questions i i like to always um finish up with now yeah. this being the course creator community um, podcast the question that I ask every guest is what's your, either what platform do you host your courses on or mm -hmm. what's your platform of, of choice? Um, yes, yeah, so I use Kajabi. 
Okay. Thoughts? Yeah. Like it? Hate it? Love it? I I really like it. Um, personally, I was toying with a few other platforms. Uh, I went with Kajabi just because it's just very... I, I'm not a tech genius. I want things as simple as possible. Mm. Um, I use Kajabi because it's just so easy to understand, like the interfaces and all of that. Took me a little bit to get an understanding of it. I don't have my sales page on there. I rather have my sales page on my own um, like domain and website so I can actually better track it. Um, but I use Kajabi to host all of our programs. Yeah. Awesome. That's, um, and that's, that's the best. It's hands down the best. So I ask this yeah, question awesome. to everyone and like every platform has its advantages and disadvantages. The disadvantage oh, totally. for Kajabi is the price. That's the only disadvantage. Yeah. It's the most expensive of them all. It is. But yeah. it's kind of like, well, you get what you pay for as well, you know? You so I think, I think if you're just starting off, okay, cool. You know, maybe start off with a, with a new Zenla, which is more affordable. But if you're established in business and you want the best, there's no question. It's Kajabi. It's just, mm. do you want to pay the, the fee, you know? And the, the down point with Kajabi is it's a high entry level. I think the yeah. minimum is 197 and that's for like a couple courses, you know? So you really need the 297. And then even then, if you're a course creator, you're probably going to need like the 497, you know? So it goes up pretty quick. But anyways, um, next question is around mentors, Anita. So you're obviously a mentor for plenty of people out there that want to get better at copywriting, branding, probably podcasting as well. I'm curious to hear who your biggest mentors have been. If you could answer this in a few different ways, if you could give us a paid mentor, so someone that you've paid money to, you've done, they've coached you or you've done their course, mm -hmm. an unpaid mentor. So you haven't paid money to them, but you follow them on Instagram, you listen to their podcast, social mm. media, whatever it may be. And then the book that you recommend every online entrepreneur should read. So oh, mentors, paid, unpaid, and book. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, um, I've just had so many incredible mentors. It's so hard to pick just, um, uh, one, um, for paid. Uh, I guess I'll talk to the two that I can think of at the top of my head. I do have a, um, I've invested in James Wedmore. Oh, yeah. Um, he's, he's great. And he's obviously been in the course creation world for gosh, a number of years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I, I do like, um, really like his programs and I think he's, um, he's a cool dude, cool human. I really respect his approach and his, um, I guess just personality as well as something that I connect with. Um, I'm a deep empath and he's someone who is also, um, you know, not just about let's get it done. Let's hustle. Let's blah. Like it's about, no, hang on. What's the type of life you want to live? Um, and let's build your business around that. So um, he's been incredible. Uh, I've also invested in a mentor here um, based in Australia and she has, I've worked with her, her name's Vanessa um, and she, I've worked with her for the last like two years or so, more so in mindset. So, uh, what's her surname? Um, Auditoire. Oh, so yeah, she's, um, she, I still work with her. She is more so in mindset and, um, has helped me quite a lot with, I guess, just navigating around all the different ups and downs of business. Um, so she's more so, I guess, mindset. James is more so in the tools and resources, but also mm -hmm. a dash of mindset. Um, in terms of unpaid <laughs> mentors, um, this one is hard because I think every single person that I meet 
is almost like an unpaid mentor. I will have conversations with someone who I might even just meet on literally like the, the sometimes at the street, even previous clients without them even knowing just in how they're showing up in how they're speaking. Um, they like I learn so much from them. So I guess when I think about unpaid mentors, these are really people who I'm just absorbing like a sponge and observing seeing how they show up in challenging moments, seeing how they navigate around business and life, even when there is a freaking hazard cone in front of them. Um, I'm surrounded by a lot of unpaid mentors because I'm just absorbing um, so much every day on social media, um, what they're doing, what they're not doing and how they choose to approach hard, hard situations. Um, so I, I, I'm finding it hard to answer that one, Jono. Sorry. It's, 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 a bit, well, it's good because most people are just like, yeah, Tony Robbins, you know, or, no. or hey, Russell Brunson, you know, so no. I, think, <laughs> I think you gave a different answer, which is good. Yeah, no, um, I'm, yeah, I, I think anyone can really be like the, the person across the road who is like in his sixties and owns a butcher shop. Like I, I, I could learn just as much from him than, you know, the people who are like, who we all put up on a pedestal and all of that. Like, so I think every day I'm meeting people, um, who teach me something and inspire me in something. Um, so that's that. And I think your last question is about a book. Yep. Um, I have so many books that I love. I think the first one I'll, I'll share two books okay. because, um, one's probably more so in mindset and okay. I'm going to see if I can find it. I think it's called, um, I think it's called the monk who sold his Ferrari. Hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Uh, yep. That's what it's called. Um, the monk who sold his Ferrari. Um, I really like that book. Um, just because it just dives into, <clears throat> I really resonated with the story because it revolves around, um, I guess this person who's a lawyer who then realized that that is not actually what he wants and how he then pursued kind of like a path to really getting to know how he wants to share his impact. So I think for anyone who feels like a little lost in their direction, purpose, or even why they do what they do, that's an excellent book. Um, Robin Sharma? I think so. Yes, that's it. I, I just added it to my wish list then. Yeah, great book. You'll love it. Um, the other one I think is called, I'm just going to have a look at my Audible just to make sure I've actually got the name right. Yeah, um, give me one moment. I think it's called the is the big leap i'm pretty sure that's what it's called oh no sorry it's uh the company of one okay it's by right. paul jarvis um and this is incredible for course creators particularly because it's when you're a course creator, you're really productizing your zone of genius and your what's in your brain and what's the, the knowledge, right? And I think that book is great because it's not about scaling based on hiring more, 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 more people, which is very traditional. Don't get me wrong, you'll still need to hire. <laughs> But in this book, it does talk about how you can really grow and scale based on less like all about people, 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 um, treating people as resources, but also how you can be more intentional with, I guess, your growth and scale. So yeah, the company of one. Awesome. I added that to my wish list as well. Yeah. Um, awesome. All right. Now on the topic of courses, I believe you've got a quite a popular free course, Anita. Yes. So we, <laughs> we 
actually have um, a freebie that I think a lot of our, um, you know, subscribers actually say they get so much out of that freebie. It's not so much a course. It's more so um, I call it five day e-lessons. So if you're wanting to kind of in literally 15 minutes a day over five days, uh, we drop in a copy e-lesson that can be like consumed in 15 minutes and actioned. Um, and we dive into things like psychology and words, websites, ad copies, social media, blogs, every day over five days, copy e-lessons. Um, you'll be able to find that at wordfeddy group forward slash freebie. So um, yeah having us as your pen pals for five days. Awesome. <laughs> Let me just get that link again so I can make sure I get it right in the show notes. Yeah, Wordfetty it's wordfettygroup.com yep. forward slash freebie. Got it. Awesome. All right. So for the listeners, that will be in the show notes. Um, Anita, that's pretty much all I wanted to get through today. Is there anything I should have asked you but forgot to or anything you want to finish us off with? Ah, oh, that's been a, it's been a really good chat. Um, I think the only thing I'll just probably share with the listeners, I think, especially because they're in the uh, beginning or growth stage of their course creation journey is just realize that it just because you've created the course, the work mm. isn't done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like um, creating the course is actually the somewhat the easy bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love it. The economy, the digital world is ever changing. So you can't just create a course and just, yes, like you like you can make money when you sleep don't get me wrong however you need to sustain that and make sure that your customer experience is epic that you're always always refining like and that goes for anything like just because mm. you've created a website a brand what or, or an ad like you can't just leave it like it's a constant refinement and i think when we start to see it as more of a fun experiment where we're always testing and refining making tweaks here you can get a bit more fun. So I think seeing it as a test experiment always, just because you failed in a launch, failed. It's not a failed launch because if you choose to see it that way, it's going to be a failure. But if you choose mm. to see it as, wow, that was a lesson. Amazing. Mm. I can refine it, you know? So that's probably the last thing I want to say. <laughs> well, that reminds me of my favorite quote. I don't know if uh, province. So it's essentially, I never lose. I either win or I learn. No, I love that. Yeah, well, it's exactly what you said. You know, do something. If you hit it out of the park, great. You hit it out of the park. Celebrate, you know. Yeah. If it didn't hit it out of the park, also great. You know, why? Why? and actually, I'll share a quick story there. My background um, as a personal trainer in the fitness industry, one of my favorite things to do, I used to run boot camps, right? Yeah. And I have a list of workouts that I knew were really good, but you can only do the same workouts so many times, right? I'd have mm -hmm. to try new ones. And I'd often go in there. And I'd create a new workout and it mm. would suck, right? But that's okay because I would just look back and be like, okay, why did it suck? You know, and I worked at a couple of different gyms, right? Mm. So I was like, you know what? The next, I'm going to do that same workout tomorrow at a different gym, but just do these little changes and see how it goes. Mm. And then it would be way better. And then I would use that. And what I found is the more kind of times I would stuff up, the, the better I would get at predicting how to do a good workout. But it's mm. kind of like, the only way that I could get, and then I got really, really good, became a core, created a course, yada, yada, yada. But the only way I was able to do that was by running a whole heap of bad ones to finding <laughs> out what doesn't work. Because um, otherwise you're still in the same thing again and again and again, and it's either going to get boring or stale or stop working. So yeah, 
It's so true. I love that. It's, um, I think it's the biggest misconception or myth people think like you create a course and it's like passive income to a certain extent it can be, but mm. you'll still need to refine it. <laughs> yeah. Well, my, my take with the passive income in the ideal world, there's a few things like say with my business, I've got a few funnels set up that are hundred percent passive. Someone yeah. types in Google, goes to the course, buys it, goes through on their own. Gets, there's a couple of those, but that's not my, my whole thing. Um, but also on top of that, I think like the, the major passive thing of the course thing is like after the sales is done, it's passive. You know, like mm. you still got to do the sales and the marketing or somewhat stuff there. Yeah. But the reason why I would consider courses passive is like, great. Once that sale has been made in the ideal world, I have to do absolutely nothing. Right. Whereas in the service-based thing, you know, if you make a sale of copywriting, okay, great, you made the sale, but now you got to do the work as well. That's how I'd encourage um, the listeners to think of the the passive side of courses. It's like you still got to be active on your sales and marketing, um, but after the sale, it's a lot more passive if you've got online courses. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally, totally. Awesome. Yeah. Well, let's leave it at that for today, Anita. For the listeners, I'll put those links in the show notes and make sure to check out Anita's podcast, Brand Fetty, as well. I'll put the link in the, the show notes there. Anita, thank you for your time. Yay. Thank you so much for having me, Jono. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Course Creator Community Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort and we'll catch you in the next episode.